I feel like I hear me more, but that's probably just because I notice me more. Because of your enormous ego? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? So ready. Okay. Welcome to The Simplicity Show with Sue and Vince. Where we... I already screwed that up. Welcome to The Simplicity Show with Sue and Vince where we talk about what's happening in the credit union industry, the world, and right here on our credit union team. Why am I so bad at that after all this time? <laughs> I even printed you a script. I know. I know. How do I not? I wrote it. Right? <laughs> in this episode, we are doing another interview with ourselves, if you will. I don't know what to call this little mini-series. Of the podcast. No, I like that interview with ourselves. <laughs> so today in the hot seat is our friend Sue. I am so nervous. Who you know and love. I'm so nervous. You don't be nervous. I, but I'm ner- I'm so nervous about this. I don't know why. I yeah, well it's so scary. You know all the answers already. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. If I tell the truth. Well, there's that. <laughs> so Sue is our resident writer. Among other things, I I don't like I like I understand what you what you mean when you say that, <laughs> but the connotation doesn't come across. Among great. other things, among other things, <laughs> <laughs> just writing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. So for a living, even right on purpose. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do it on purpose now. <laughs> Maybe this is why I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just soaking this in because this is great fun for me. Oh, this is so painful. You're so mean. (laughs) Were you nervous when we did your interview? No. (sighs) That seems really unfair. (laughs) (laughs) You were nervous enough for both of us, so. That in general is true. Yeah. That's just one of my default settings. Mm -hmm. So you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to talk specifically, the thing I want to do the deep dive in today is on writing in general and in specific. Okay. So as I was preparing for this, we, the thought I had is I could do sort of this big lead up to a conclusion that business writing is different than personal writing. Mm -hmm. But rather than building up to that, I thought, well, let's start there. Okay. Because that's a thing that we we know. That's why you have a job, right? Right. So let's, that's, instead of making that the conclusion, let's use that as our jumping off point. Okay. um, And just flesh it out. Our central conceit is that business writing is different than personal writing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, with that, what I should say, what's the why? That's a, there's a great question. So, why, why is, what's the reason for that? Why is business writing different than personal writing? Let's start there. Huh. Well, it's your idea, so why don't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's a, that's a really interesting question. And I guess for or maybe how for my money, yeah, it is a 
there's a nuance that is also highly dependent on why you're writing for personal reasons. So specifically, the type of business writing we're talking, well, that is central to my job, although uh, we also, we can also talk about emails and internal communications, and there's that whole mm-hmm. Of itself, that's a type of writing that you would do for business. Right. Um, But the specific thing that I think that we're talking about is what I do for our team, which is the writing that goes behind the marketing and Mm -hmm. public relations and that kind of writing. The stuff that other people outside of the organization would see. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, So what is the nuance in that is when you're writing, and it is similar to really even internal communication or emailing uh, a vendor or, you know, something like that, is that you write with a purpose, and the purpose is very specific, and it's not what... Your finished piece isn't really right until it's achieved that purpose, where personal writing, so, for example, blog writing, you can really start at the beginning, and you can move through that sort of writing journey. I know, that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can follow that where it leads and then come to the end of it and say, oh, well, I guess that was the thing I needed to express. So that the purpose of that piece of writing came out in the writing I did. Sure. Uh, where what, what we're doing on our team, we come into a project with the idea that just like any other piece of promotional public relations sort of thing we're doing, we have to begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. We have to know what the purpose is, and then you, have, then you write to meet that purpose. And it's objectively correct, quote unquote, air quotes, um, when you've met that, when you can look back at it and decide that it's met the purpose for what you're doing. Sure. That Does that sound? That sounds great. I want to ask you if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> is that the correct answer to your question? Yeah. There okay. is no correct answer. That's, that's open-ended questions. Okay. And what, just to go on on that just a tiny bit just to say that what's interesting to me especially now that this has been my full-time job um, for about three years is that I finally sort of discovered that even people who want you to write something to suit a purpose that they're trying to suit don't necessarily know that you have to come up, you have to come in and begin with the end in mind, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot, some of those, and by all means, we, our team is intended to be the experts who get down, like drill down to that, and what are you trying to do? But we come into a lot of projects with someone saying, "Well, can can we send? I don't know whether it's a blog post or create." something that's going to be collateral that we're handing out, or can we make a thing um, to tell people about fill-in-the-blank? Mm-hmm. 
and um, a hopefully your if you say that to a marketing person, that marketing person is going to ask you a number of questions, which, which kind of get down to. Why are we telling people about that thing? What is it about that thing that you want to tell them? What's the purpose? And then the additional layer, I think that we try to place over that for the work that we do is not, not just what's the purpose, but what, how do we want that person to feel walking out of interacting with whatever that thing is? So I would say, and I hope... I hope this like I'm not going through every question you have and just <laughs> word vomiting. <laughs> not but at all. Go for it. I would say that is one of the things that distinguish distinguishes the work we do, which is not just ta- not just looking at a project and saying um, what is this meant to say, but once whoever is going to interact with this thing has done that, how do we want them to feel about it? And that can be, I think. That can be really key, especially when we're talking about um, things like some of the notices and letters that have to come out of a financial institution or even you know come from mm-hmm. any business, which you can, if they are carefully crafted, keeping in mind that you you're going to no matter what you do, people are going to feel a way about it. Right. Right. If they're crafted with the idea that we are leading people toward a feeling rather than just saying, well, those are the words. You do what you have to do about it. <laughs> uh, I think right. that distinguishes yeah. that and puts a more human touch to it. Well, that segues perfectly into my next question, Good. line of thinking. That, Good. That it, it's exactly like you said, right? That every... it uh, The term we use is the voice, and so that's, that's mm-hmm. our next line in. But every piece has a tone every somebody is going to have a feeling when they interact with it right it's not a choice to for them whether or not they're going to have a feeling walking Mm -hmm. away from it but what where the choice comes in is making the conscious effort to direct that feeling Mm -hmm. to leave them feeling a particular way and and especially to your point about the notices and all of that, something that generally people do not walk away with a great feeling from, mm-hmm. or at least a neutral feeling right. from a notice or whatever, a required communication. <clears throat> if we can take that up a step and leave and say it in a way that makes them at least not hate it. <laughs> right, right. Right, but move up that scale of liking it, whether it's from hating it to being neutral or neutral to like, oh, that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. The way to, right, all of, that's, all of that's a win. So talk about, talk to me about, tell me about uh, this idea of the voice and specifically for us, and again, as we've noted, this is, it's a thing I know. But right, right. That's for, what makes these weird, right? For the listening audience. Yes. Let go walk me through sort of our as a department and your involvement with our our journey to 
choosing a voice, a tone, sort of establishing what that is, what it isn't, and how we how we got to where we are today. Okay. That is a nice, big, juicy question. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, um, one of my one of my responsibilities, just for the listening audience on our team, is to be the. We need to come up with a name for the, our listeners. Oh, that's a whole other. We'll work on that. Okay. Okay. That's it's in the index file now. Okay. Name for our listeners. Okay. If you have any suggestions, mm-hmm. let us know. Yes, please. If you have, if what do you want to be called? Mm-hmm. George. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we will hug them and squeeze them and call them George. So, the voice. Um, so my, one of my responsibilities on our team is to be the chief apostle of our voice, to be the person who um, guards it very, who guards it closely. And primarily that's because even though, you know, we, we certainly put out things that I don't have to be directly involved with writing, um, the, the things that have the most words are the things that I make. So that sort of directs... We could talk about that. Yeah, no, let's be nice about that. <laughs> let's, not, let's not talk about that. Um, so, I mean, so in a big general way, the idea of having a brand voice is really to... is a way that a brand can humanize itself. Mm-hmm. And it humanizes that brand... Not just, not simply because a brand voice is generally going to be intentionally um, human. Okay, let me formulate this correctly. Uh, I think when you talk about places that have a brand voice, Wendy's is a place that I think of. I guess Chevrolet and the the commercials that they do with the, these aren't these are real act these are real people not actors. Um, they're, lies, they're, right? <laughs> Just because it's all lies doesn't mean. <laughs> so there there's an intentionality behind that. Um, that is not just about we have a brand voice because people want to talk to and hear from other humans, but because there's an intentional consistency around it. So one of the things I do personally, and I have sort of used this talking to other people, is it helps for me to view that brand voice as another person on our team, Mm -hmm. as somebody who has... And the thing about people is that you have... While your moods can change, you have consistent... Um, somewhat consistent beliefs. Your beliefs can change too, but uh, your core values stay pretty stable throughout your life. The way that you interact with people and your feelings about that remains pretty consistent. And so if I picture who our brand voice is and what that, that imaginary person's overall goal is, it helps me to sort of put myself in that spot. Um, so we created the brand voice really when Ben when Ben joined the team. 
and it was it was this process. October of twenty sixteen. Yes, we should yes. know that. Yes. Okay. That's that's right. October twenty sixteen. So we it really was a process where that started with us first of all saying um, we're making kind of this core set of agreements. And our core set of agreements sort of were that people want to understand what we're saying. We want to make things engaging, and we want people to want to engage with what we're doing. Um, And people don't necessarily understand sort of the jargon that Mm -hmm. we use in the industry. So those probably... As industries go, we have a lot of it. We have an awful lot of it, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it and it can be really hard being a, in the financial industry and talking that talk, you know, that being your language all of the time. Right. It can be hard to sort of set that aside and say, oh, people don't actually know what those terms mean. And even when you're talking about something like IRA, people know what an IRA is, right, mm-hmm. in this general way, but... We also know that if you referred to it as an individual retirement account, people go, oh, yeah, that's a retirement account. Right. They, and, and even if that's all the information that they have about it, it helps them read the thing or see the thing and then move on past it and not get stuck on jargon. Yep. So we, we, that's, we started with those, you know, with a set of sort of central ideas that this is what we... This is how we think we can portray just really anything that we're saying the best. Mm -hmm. And it developed into real intentionality around um, sort of accepting and rejecting different ways that we could communicate until we were able to somewhat refine it to the point where at least the people on our team at the time, if you if you presented us with, would the voice say this or would the voice say that? Or here's what this thing says now, how would the brand voice say it? We would be able to confidently speak to that mm-hmm. and, you know, and sort of accept or reject different words and different terms and different turns of phrase based on who we knew that voice was. Yeah. Jazz hands. Very nice. Did that answer your question? Yeah. That you already have the answer to? <laughs> right. So in, uh, give me a short summary of what what is for us. Describe for me the voice. Okay. Who is, who is that person? Okay, good. I'm just so, whacking stuff Yeah, he's just here. hitting things and it's fine. So the Simplicity Brand Voice is an employee of Simplicity Credit Union. Right. So he knows things he or she. I've always pictured him as male. I we should we've actually had discussions where Ben has been like, is is it male? I don't know. But in my mind, whatever. It's actually gender neutral. This person um, is an employee of the credit union, so they are knowledgeable to the extent uh, on the internal things that they can then take what they know internally and communicate it out to the external world. It matters deeply to the brand voice that people understand what they're saying. 
So uh, the this person is intelligent, but not conceited. We have a whole list of things that actually describes yeah. this voice, but I know intelligent, but not conceited. Um, is fun and casual, but still able to be professional. Um, this, our brand voice, this person is either sort of in that um, millennial generation or at least identifies closely with the millennial generation, so is able to speak that language pretty fluently. Mm-hmm. And if it's a male, they have a man bun. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, but they oh, they definitely controversial. They definitely have a man bun. <laughs> Very cool. So let's transition a little bit. That's sort of the the what and mm-hmm. the why. So give me a little bit of, let's move to the how. Not that I'm specifically using the 5W plus how okay. formula. But <laughs> walk me through a little bit of your process for writing. So, and, and rather than, because, believe me, I know, like you, it's, it's like you already said. It's, so, it's very different for different things. So mm-hmm. a few example things that I thought of is maybe like a social post. Mm-hmm. A blog post. What was that? I had three things. Okay. And who your favorite? A press release. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so. So let's move from. Well, you can start with the press release if you want. And move from kay. less from favorite to gross, more favorite. Gro- <laughs> from gross to not gross. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So. But as if, I said, if you have, if there are other things that. Uh, Feel free to deviate from those okay. suggestions okay. is what I'm saying. You, I mean, and you know in your heart of hearts you don't need to tell me to feel free. To <laughs> so that's, how, that's why I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, press releases, as you mentioned, are not my favorite thing to do. Um, and not because they're not an important part of what we do, not because they um, they don't serve a function that sort of helps us play well in the sandbox with other businesses and media outlets and things like that. But because they, they do tend to be one of those things that it's hard to deviate from a standard mm-hmm. sort of template of what that press release is going to be. Right. And while we've, we've put out our fair share of them, and from I can tell you that from the first press release I wrote to maybe whatever the last one was, which I couldn't even tell you probably what the last one was, um, maybe Nielsville or Nielsville yeah, branch probably. might be. Uh, I have sort of, and this is in my in my way, sort of pushed and pushed and pushed incrementally what that expected way of communicating through a press release is Mm -hmm. and really tried to move that needle toward something that ends up a little more human than what you would expect to see in a press release. Um, The, by all means, the nice thing about a press release is that you could realistically sit down to something like that and have whatever the key points are. And generally those key points are, what is the date? 
who's talking, mm-hmm. right? So Simplicity Credit Union is uh, excited to announce that blah. And actually, you, you probably could create it. I could, if that was the thing we wanted to do, create a template that basically has blank spaces in it. Simplicity Credit Union is excited right. to announce that. Here's, you know, this sentence. Um, and then another big open block to say, here's why this matters, that they're announcing this thing to you. And um, then here are a couple of quotes. Um, and here's our website. Have a happy day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it could, that could be a press release, and that's what you expect sort of from a press release, um, and probably even minus the quotes. I Sure. I, but That might be a process improvement right, on our part. Right. Um, but uh, knowing that, knowing that you could do that, and it could be a really, really, like, super quick and uh, quick and easy and not that engaging thing to do, um, I do still... I'm a part of what I do professionally is overthink. So <laughs> I do take This is the, me not disagreeing. Yes, right? yes. Look at you nod. Uh, I approach that in a similar way that I approach every, every project, which is understand everything that I'm trying, you know, begin that it's that begin with the end in mind, understand everything that this thing needs to communicate, and then as much as possible, make that something that people want to read. Mm-hmm. So it, it, can be, it can be just a little tougher with press releases. The nice thing about them, though, is you have the, um, you have the text at the bottom that introduces the boilerplate. That's what it's called. You have the boilerplate oh, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the bottom that introduces the organization. So that's always, for some reason, that's my favorite part to do because... <laughs> You can, you could, you know, we could have a standard boilerplate that we use every single time, and, and I don't. So it's always taking that and tying it to the text. Mm. And so. Very nice. Know. Yeah. So that's how I make a press release as creative as I can make it. <laughs> so what about social posts? Let's, let's go social posts and then use that as the lead into blog posts. Okay. So, um... First of all, Alex does most, Alex, who's on our team and who we've mentioned before, does most of the social stuff, um, the social posting. And I, I did that for about uh, our, our first like year and a half until we, until we hired Alex. Um, and it's, it's a very different animal. And it was a, re- it was a great experience doing that starting out in the department because it wasn't something other than posting for myself personally, Mm -hmm. it wasn't something I really had experience with. And the key to a social post, you know, it really needs to be just vitamin packed, man, especially it, you know, a lot of what our posts are, uh, they all include an image that image either has the bulk of the information, Right. right? that people are actually going to see, or it has very little information. So the, the key to making it work for social is to understand the balance between 
what the image has and what we have to say to get people to look at things because people don't, people scroll, right? Mm-hmm. So if we, to get people to read a social post, there has to be something about it that catches their eye. I mean, and it's... And, well, like you said, that's probably going to be the picture. Right. Not the text. Right. Above, not the post part. Right. Which does mean that in some ways you're competing with yourself, right? Because you don't want, we don't, some people do. Um, it's a different strategy to just have great pictures, mm-hmm. right? So we want people to read our posts. So I think we we default to... Uh, turning the brand voice to 11. We use words that other financial institutions wouldn't use in their communication. And we do that deliberately because when you see, um, so just using our job posting as an example, when you see the difference between how we post a job opening and how another financial might post a job opening, it's eye catching. Mm-hmm. And even the if language. We do say so ourselves. Right, right. So there, and you really, one of the things that I struggled with early on in spending all of that uh, social media time, other than the day that we had the first meeting where Ben said, I think we could post daily. And I almost <laughs> lost my mind. Um, and we Whoa. do. And now, uh, and actually we, we did that from pretty much that point on and sometimes multiple times, but um, was getting the point across in as few words as possible. And yeah. especially at the time that I was doing it, um, the maximum number on Twitter was still 160. So that can be, you really, that really... This, I'm going to say something else gross and creative sounding. That really, that really honed my instrument, right? To like just, I have two sentences. I have to say everything in two sentences, and that's not really my style of writing. Stop. He's making faces <laughs> at me right now. And I wasn't going to say he, anything. Well, because he knows that one of my mottos is, "Why well, say something in a sentence if you can say it in a paragraph?" <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> okay. So, so that's social. Speaking of paragraphs, mm-hmm. you've just given me all these great transitions. Yeah, points. see, this is, I'm just, listen, I'm lobbing softballs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hitting them out of the park. Yeah. So, and that's a great analogy that <laughs> it, social is that the concise piece where a blog post, you can take up a little more time to, and space to get the point across. So, right. tell me about that. So what I love about blogs um, and especially the work that th- we do um, and how we use blogs is that you do have an opportunity to, you know, coming back to the idea, idea of guiding people to feel a way. And you have so much more time to start. You, have to, you do have to start out with something compelling, but you have this opportunity where that blog post can be like, I'm getting your attention now I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take your hand and I'm gonna walk you into this thing, and I'm going to set up all of these expectations for you, and then by the end of this I want to have met all those expectations. And so you can that long form 
of explaining things. And especially being able to do it in the brand voice is really, that's a really rewarding form of writing because it takes, it sort of takes you through, it's like, uh, like uh, if social media posts were a 15 minute stretch session, right? Blog posts are a full hour of hot yoga. <laughs> because, wow. Yeah. Because wow. It, it can, you, you still want to use the right amount of words to say what you want to say, but you have, you have this ability to walk people through a thing mm-hmm. in sort of a deliberate and intelligent way, hopefully intelligent and what we've done in some cases with the blog, and um, this harkens way back to me, the first big blog series that we did was uh, three or four separate posts on the same. I think it was four. Um, I'm thinking of the cheese curds one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, there you're talking about, I don't know how many words at the end of that. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of words. So it was four separate blog posts. Yep. Um, it probably some ended, nice images, if I do say so yes, myself. Yeah, he took the pictures, so he he feels pretty a good about of them. them. Not all of them. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so I mean, that probably all total came out to thirty thousand words or something like that. But it was this opportunity to deep dive into some really core concepts that. You can't, if you can do it in a compelling way, and I always hope we do it in a compelling way, and if you can get people's attention, then they're willing to go for that 30,000-word journey with you because you're, you're sort of building, you're building a world, even though uh, the world that we're building is credit union-related, not something the average, like something we get really excited about, but not something the average person gets excited about. Um and you you just have much more time to sort of speak to people. Mm-hmm. So, and that one sort of giving, going back and giving kudos kudos to Ben for allowing the brand voice to develop organically. And I know he hates it when we use the term organically. <laughs> um, that that we're, really we're growing the brand. Yes, voice. yes. Um, Nurturing it. Watering it. I have, I have this way of writing that when, when it is allowed, when I am allowed to, is extremely parenthetical. So, what do I mean by that? I mean, um, if I'm just writing in sort of the natural flow of how my brain is working. I will make, I maybe will make a statement and then I, my next natural thing is to make a funny or maybe a little sarcastic or something like that comment that points back to that statement and then I move on. And that it's just the way, knowing me, you already know, that's just the way my brain works. And so the parenthetical part would be that second part. Would be the, the right. Quippy, so in parentheses. Funny part pointing back to the thing you just said. Right. Okay. Right. Got it. So um, <clears throat> even, 
even uh, if there aren't, I, I guess I'm overthinking this. <laughs> even minus the parentheses, there I think what characterizes that style of how, how I write is, you know, that like say a thing, spend a little extra time with it, move on from there, um, and that it so it's. Cheese Curds and Credit Unions was the name of the blog series. It was comparing cheese curds mm-hmm. to credit unions. And that is the first time, at least that I remember, writing a thing, saying, and, and maybe, I don't think it was the whole, first of all, I was surprised when I walked into Ben's office and said, hey, I have this idea. I want to write a blog that where I compare cheese curds to credit unions, and here's how I want to do it that he didn't go, um, there's probably work you could be doing right now. <laughs> could you please? Uh, yeah. So he, yeah. first of all, he Kudos gave, to Ben. Yes. Again, as we've stated yes. numerous times on right. the podcast. So he gave me the latitude to start that. And then he, when I, there are certain things that I have put in blog posts, and I know that's one of them, that even as I'm writing them, because it... And I'm doing it because it's like it's funny to me, or to me it emphasizes a point in a, in a way that I think is engaging and unusual. Uh, there are a lot of times there were early on that I would type it, I would go, "That's going to get edited out," and just be like, "Okay, I'm okay with that. That's fine if if Ben doesn't want that in there," and then I'd move on, mm-hmm. and. There was precious little he ever had me edit out. So he he really allowed that style that works well for me to sort of thrive. And I think and that and be incorporated in the brand voice. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Jazz hands again. Great. I need, I need a drink. Okay. Just a little sip. You take a break. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna set up my final line of questioning by saying a thing uh, a thing that we have said and it really plays to this idea of there is a big difference between writing for business and writing for personal that people we don't usually say this to people but Mm -hmm. a thing we have said to each other (laughs) in the department is people don't know how to write Mm -hmm. and there's a reason you have a job right but what we mean by that is exactly this. It's not that, no, yes, everybody can write. Everybody thinks they can write. Mm-hmm. What, <clears throat> what we run into is sort of this separation of that divide between personal and business, right? That mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of thought and strategy that goes into business writing Mm-hmm. that it, it doesn't come naturally. Right. And, it, and it's, it's not, it's no shade on the people. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, I mean, it's like, it's like saying, it'd be like if I said to my four-year-old, like, oh, you can't ride a bike, what? Like, no, he just <laughs> hasn't Please learned do that. yet. Please do that. Right? Loser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But so, so that, I mean, it, it's a thing, but... All that to say, it is a thing that can be learned. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, give me a wrap. When we'll wrap up here with some tips 
for writing as a brand, writing for a business, and maybe too, uh, this will apply to personal. So tips for business, tips for personal, lay it on me. Okay. Okay. So in either, in either case, the number one tip uh, that I think the, again, I'm overthinking again, but the number one thing you can do is read and pay attention to what you're reading. So um, I think any writer, and, and, I'm talk, and I'm not talking like from ego. I am saying having done, like having paid attention to writers I love and having looked at how they talk about the craft, mm-hmm. uh, they, across the board, if you want to be a writer, you have to read. Mm-hmm. And so what that means, the distinction between business and personal is if you want to be a great business writer, you have to pay attention to business writing. Now, sometimes that means you have to pay attention to it and take the lessons, the positive lessons from it, right? Mm-hmm. To understand how you, um, how you, how and what you have to communicate, when that communication has to happen, and all those things. Um, and the flip side of that is sometimes that means you have to pay close attention to what other people writing for business are doing because you want to learn the lessons and say, that's not what I'm going to do for my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, it's a con- it, it, it t- turns it into a conscious choice. Right, right. <clears throat> and, um, and it's the same personally. So you you read if you if your intent you can certainly just read for pleasure, right? But if your intention is to write, you then you have to consume things that you enjoy consuming, and figure out where in all of that your voice actually lies. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I I don't know that we ever talked about this. I don't know why we would talk about it on the podcast, but I know I've said to you personally um, that there's a writer I really who has passed, he's swirling in the heavens, um, named Douglas Adams, who wrote sort of absurdist science fiction, right? And number one, he was writing absurdist science fiction. Number two, he was English. And everything about what he wrote I loved and he actually also has that same sort of parenthetical style, right, where you, you're moving along at a clip and then there's a pause, to which either is a joke or refers back to a thing. And his can be really lengthy, right? But everything I loved about, every, everything, I love everything about the way he writes. And early on, especially like in school, um, I would, it was tempting to adopt that same cadence and to adopt and to just rip him off because I loved like my brain. It was like, if you loved eating chocolate cake and all you wanted to do is make chocolate cake, right? <laughs> so, um, when, when you're talking about consuming either in either direction for business or for personal, you're talking about consuming those words, you also then have to, you have to sort of have a 
meter on yourself and make sure if I'm then going to write that what I'm writing isn't me parroting that person. It's what's genuinely how I write and to find mm-hmm. that spot. And that can be, I think, tough for sure. people. And the thing is, that's when you get good at it. Because if you're just parroting someone, especially someone, I mean, the other the other writer I think of who, if I could write like him, I would do it, would be Stephen King. And if, and it just is, it would just, it could just become this sort of weird, bland, it definitely wouldn't be as good because that is him and that is his style. Right. Is that... I don't know. I've 175 times I've asked you if I've answered your question. (laughs) So consume to analyze, not just to consume. Mm -hmm. But then also consume to consume. Yeah. Because where you get the lesson in that consumption for pleasure from a writer is then probably the analysis afterwards where you you ask yourself, what is it about that Mm -hmm. that kept me turning the page instead of like getting out before I could really engage with the characters or the story or anything like that. Yeah. Other tips? Um, oh, yeah, because that was just one. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of parenthetical. Yes. So I guess another another important tip, um, at least from my experience, is to... This is going to it's it starts off dumb, believe me, I have a point, is to just write. So there is a whole lot it it's the same as photography, okay? So you you've taken a lot more pictures than people have ever seen that you've taken or will ever see. Or will ever see. Yeah. And that that really is part of like working that muscle out. So you don't have to, the nice thing about, well, you know, it's actually a nice thing about photography too because now everybody has a camera in their pocket. But mm-hmm. the nice thing about writing is you don't have to sit and say, oh, you know, I really wish I could write. I really wish I could write. Like you literally, all you need is the time. And we have free time that we waste doing other things. Scrolling all you have, social media. Right, scrolling social media and not reading the post but looking at the picture. Right. <laughs> so For example. you can literally start now. Mm-hmm. Well, not now. Wait until the podcast is done. But um, if you want to be a writer, write. And start now. And, it, you know, just like photography, just like, you know, when we're talking about Ben's experience with graphic design, just like a lot of things, there's going to be a whole bunch of your work that you'll you'll do and you'll look back on and you'll feel disappointed in yourself. And that's part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't, then something's wrong. Right. You're not growing. Right, right, true. Um, trying to take that in a positive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's no. I think people get people get really discouraged because you want to buy a camera and take the best picture, like the first picture you take, or you want to decide you're a writer and you want the first thing you write to be, I don't know, War and Peace, and maybe. 
but it's not very like there's that whole that whole saying about like a million monkeys and a million typewriters and they would write the full works of Shakespeare. So maybe right. you would do that, but odds are you're going to write like an email to your ex-girlfriend and then a um I don't know. And then you're going to decide that you're going to blog about a dinner you had. You're going to do a whole bunch of things that you're going to go, I don't know why I did any of that. Um, but all of that is working out that muscle mm-hmm. and being able to look back at it and learn from it is really important. Yeah. Can I tell you something um, that I paid attention to just in the scope of this, like, just right thing? Um so a program that Vince and I both use is called Grammarly. They're not a sponsor. And <laughs> you, they have extensions for browsers and things like that that mm-hmm. they will check your, um, they'll check your writing. And they, you spell, they spell check, which is incredibly useful for me. And Oh, another tip is you don't necessarily have to be able to spell if you're a writer. <laughs> I can't necessarily spell all that well. I can still be a writer. Um, Although there are a lot of times that I mangle the word, word so badly that the spell check is like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Grammarly reads through everything. So there's browser extensions, and you can use it in Word, and you can use it in a number of different things. Um, and we use that here in the office. Mm-hmm. And we, you get a weekly update from Grammarly. Yeah. yeah. And I just hit um, 600,000 words for the year. Oh, man. <laughs> last wow. week, last week I hit 600,000 words. So I'm really excited because I think I'm going to hit a million words by the end of the month, of the year. Nice. So that's all. That's very cool. And that's, that is just work writing because I also do, I don't have it because I can't get it to work right. Oh, at home? On, specifically on Google Docs, which is where I do my personal writing. The one of the last updates I had to pull it up here. The subject line was <clears throat> uh, the subject line was productivity level legendary. <laughs> so I felt pretty good about that. They do really well. Productivity was your middle name last week. You, uh, so you wrote more than eighty three percent of Grammarly users. Probably yes. not you though. Because I don't write as much as you. Yeah. So I I think last week I wrote more than ninety six percent of Grammarly users. Man. So Very nice. and it's it's a nice program because then and then also at the bottom it tells you what are the top corrections that it gave you and mine always says unnecessary ellipses and I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> that's that's junk advice to me. <laughs> yep, I have that's number three on my list. Unnecessary ellipses. <laughs> it's, it's not true. It can't be true. But I am at 36,725 words. Hmm. So a fraction of where you're at. Right. So, But again, when, very nice. when you write a paragraph to get a sense well, worth of information out, yeah, yeah, you can double those words pretty quickly. <laughs> so reading, writing, what else do you have for me? Um, if you need time to think, I have tips that, that I pulled from our conversation so far. Oh, well, let, let's talk about those. Okay. Because maybe I have good advice I just can't think of. Okay. I'm excited. You're, you're probably a little spent right now, so. I'm kind of exhausted <laughs> about this whole thing. 
Um, a few things, like I said, from our conversation, uh, where we started kind of talking about just the idea of keeping it concise and mm-hmm. starting with the end in mind. So really, I mean, really to the business side, but the personal side too, right? Just know going in what the point is and get to the point. People will appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Not having to sift through actually unnecessary, right? Because And we joke and say unnecessary, but it, it serves a point and it helps generate that feeling and it's an intentional choice in right. a lot of what we do. So, but if it is actually unnecessary, just cut it out. Mm-hmm. Keep it concise. I'm going to, just before you move on from that, I just, I want to say about that whole idea of keeping things concise and getting to the point. Also bring awareness of what you have to do to bring that person along with you. So I think one one of the things that characterizes other people's, other organizations' business writing is that they they 100% lean into get to the point. Mm-hmm. And what that can create, besides more concise writing, is you can fail to bring the person with you to where they need to be when you get to the point. So there's there's sure. a, there's a dance that you have to do, and um, an awareness of does this person will this person be ready for the point when I get to it, or do I need to lay some groundwork? Okay, mm-hmm. thank Very you. Nice. Another tip is for businesses, big picture idea, just to view your brand voice as a person. That because that just helps humanize everything. It really gives it when you're like you said, when you're sort of becoming taking on that persona, taking mm. on that person's how would they say this thing it's a lot easier to envision that thinking of it as a person than Mm -hmm. well then I don't know what (laughs) well and so what you the way you said it is exactly right that when we sort of when we got over the hump of thinking can we say it and change that conversation to would we say it would this person say that instead Mm -hmm. of can we say it that way um it, those decisions all became automatically easier because then then you're thinking about this imaginary person uh, and is that a way that they would speak? And if that's a way that they would speak, then it's an easy decision. Right. Yeah. Another thing, people need to understand you. So just, again, the idea of not using jargon and... Uh, but, so there's a there's a balance here though too, right? It's match your audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're writing for a really technical audience that is going to understand every, you're, it knows all the acronyms and the technical terms, and then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But don't write above your audience, right? Um, and yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, and I was just going to take on to that. Uh, don't assume that people know stuff. Right, right. I think it is, it's sort of the exception that proves the rule to actually be writing with, to somebody who is precisely as informed as you are on a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, if you, if you can use jargon. So, 
for example, if we were writing something internally to people and talking, I'll use the IRA example. Mm-hmm. Um, we could say IRA internally without right. explaining what that is. Um, but that that's because we all literally speak the la- same language. All it takes is like trying to communicate with one person outside of our little exclusive group. And that becomes sort of a non non issue or an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was another thing I was going to say. Wait, wait. Let me think about it. So you were saying about um, not talking down to your audience. Don't assume people know stuff. Don't assume people know stuff. What was the point before that? No jargon. People need to understand you. Right. Right. Um, oh yes. So the advice I have read is to completely not use jargon. And if there is no other way but to use jargon, to add a definition of it. Sure. So, Explain it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. And depending who you're talking to, like when we're, when we are talking to especially something that might be highly jargony and we're trying to communicate it to people who don't know what it is, um, I, we, we will tip way to the, to the side of explaining it in the very simplest terms possible. Mm-hmm. So a tip I came across the other day and it was talking about how to correct course during an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- we do, we do a fair amount of interviews uh, for specifically for video, but for other things too. But the example they gave uh, to this point that like if whoever you're interviewing is industry professional and mm-hmm. they're just using a lot of these technical terms or jargon or whatever, as the interviewer, their advice was to say something along the lines of, say that again, or <laughs> let's cover that again, but pretend that I'm a smart high schooler with no attention span. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I think we should use that yeah. going forward. Okay. A smart high schooler with no attention span. Right. Because then, you know, that takes. <laughs> so, like, away. literally just me in high school. <laughs> pretend <laughs> I'm me, but in high school. <laughs> so, what that does, it's like you don't have to explain it to a four year old. Right. So there, there's a level of understanding there, but also get rid of all the highly, highly, highly technical stuff. Right. Because generally, and this is true for us, the stuff that we're producing, generally our audience is a the general public. So we mm-hmm. don't want to assume insider industry knowledge. Right. So. Right. Very true. Very, very true. Another tip and that fits well in well with that point as well is to just write like you talk. Mm-hmm. So if you if you don't know don't know how to get out of the air quotes business writing, uh, start with well how would you say it? And I think right. that when people if they write something and then you ask them to read it out loud. A lot of times to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Or like, that's hard to say. Well, well, if it's hard to say, then don't write it like right. that. Like, like, let's change that up a little bit. Yeah, if, if it's hard to say, 
that it's hard to read. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on sort of on that whole idea that of writing like you talk, a thing, also a thing I didn't point out uh, when we were talking about the brand voice is that one of the philosophies that we use when, especially when we have to explain something that we know people outside the industry don't really, nor should they have to have a really good understanding of, um, we use this idea of how would this person explain it to a friend? Mm-hmm. So you you wouldn't use you wouldn't use jargon. You if you're a good friend, you wouldn't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, friendships can be challenging. <laughs> but so to take not even just writing like you talk, but think about write like you would talk to someone. If you're just having a conversation. Yeah, because talking to a stranger is very different than talking to a friend. Right. And explaining something to a stranger. Right. So. Yeah. Love it. And a thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought of another tip. Okay. Are you. Oh, I'm so ready. Do you want to finish your thing? No. Okay. Lay it on me. So I thought of another tip. What's ironic about this tip is I'm not sure I follow it the way I should. Oh. So way back in the story. I'll be the judge of that. Yes. Back in the Stone Ages before the internet and whatever when I was in college. Did such a time exist? It was, well, it was right after most of my family died of consumption on the Oregon Trail. (laughs) 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 And then I was in college. Did you just say died of consumption? Yeah, consumption. You never heard of consumption? Yeah. No. Okay. I mean, not in the way that you're using it. No, no, no. Okay. Oh, because so... mm, what was cons- consumption? I think was it was a term that they used. Here's the history lesson, but I think I think tuberculosis is what consumption was. So it was a oh, lung okay. disease. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was dysentery on the Oregon Trail, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry. See, I then I would have been with you. Yeah. Okay. So right after my family died of dysentery <laughs> on the Oregon Trail, when I was in college. Um, I had a professor who preached and preached and preached and preached uh, that you should just write. Just write. Don't stop yourself. Don't mm. edit yourself. Don't. Um, don't. Oh, that was my last tip. Oh, okay. Don't nice. edit yourself. High five. Um, and just be, because once you start rereading back, and it can be really really easy to do that as you're going along, right? Mm-hmm. To stop and look at the, like, yeah. write a sentence, look at the sentence, write a sentence, look at a sen- look at the sentence, and that's where you get writer's block. A really common way to get writer's block is to get very in your head mm-hmm. that way. See, and mine's so, before I even write. It's like trying to formulate the entire thing in my brain first, right? right. and then type out this beautifully put together <laughs> right. thing. Which isn't actually how any of that works. No. This, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my main tip for that is sit in front of your keyboard and make sort of a typing motion while you're thinking because that's primarily what I do. <laughs> Just eventually start, the fingers are going to connect. you put them on the keyboard <laughs> and then they type words. But um, Or rock back and forth in a weird way so you make your 
coworkers nervous because mm. you can't think of what you're trying to say. <laughs> and so you're bouncing up and down. Um, but sorry. Yes. So right. Don't edit yourself. I don't mm-hmm. always follow that. No. Which either. I should. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I think the best conventional wisdom is write a whole thing and then go back and edit, right. which is sometimes what I do. And a similar, like similar but opposite in tip. A similar and opposite are not the same things. <laughs> in the same vein, <laughs> <Okay>. but <laughs> to the opposite end is don't, and I think we fall trapped to this. For you. That's not you. I know English. Do wow. you? Good work. We fall into this a lot, too, that don't fall in love with your first draft. Right, right. Like, get a thing out, but then do go back and edit it mm-hmm. and see how you can improve it. Right. You know, it's funny because when I was thinking about doing this today, I kept my brain kept going back to the conversation that uh, we were having and uh, with, with Chris and Aaron Howard. Last week, and we just we were talking about something on social media, and Chris and I was saying how I had to write a response on my phone, mm-hmm. and Chris absolutely nailed it on the head. And he said, "I bet that must have driven you crazy, because you you I need to sit at a keyboard because it's only the exactly right word, and you can't do that on your phone. It's so hard on the phone to get exactly the right word at exactly the right time. Right, and uh." Number one, if you're hearing this, Chris, I felt that so deeply to my core. <laughs> and number two, that really highlights that thing of go back and mm-hmm. edit because there it may feel like there's a lot of objectiveness about this, but when you're intentional and you're writing with the end in mind and you're doing all the things we're talking about, which is trying to be concise, trying to be aware of where you need to bring that reader on the journey and all of that stuff – there are going to be spots when you go back and edit that you're going to realize that is not the exact right word. Mm-hmm. And if there's an exact right word, change it. Mm-hmm. Because... Or even if you don't know what the exact right word is, here's another tip. Yes. Let it sit. Right. Come back to it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it is when you actually when you actually think think about and put real intentionality behind stuff, I think it would surprise people to realize you could write a sentence that you felt like said exactly what you wanted to say. You could close the document. You could come back to it the next day, mm-hmm. read that exact same sentence, and say, I don't know what I was trying to do there. Yeah, it's the same point when we were talking about photos that, d- did I make this point? If I didn't. Here I'll it make comes. it fresh. Why if don't I we, did, you know what? Why I'll don't do we again. focus my interview on your interview <laughs> a little bit more? <laughs> but just with editing photos, I try not to ship them out the same day I edit mm-hmm. them for that exact reason that you'll see different things when you come back. Right. So, uh, one last tip to end on that that last thing sparked. Uh, speaking of typing things out on a phone. It can be physically difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes our fingers are larger than the buttons provided for us to type out on. So my tip is take the time 
to read the text you're about to send. <laughs> That's really good advice. Because at best, it could be at best just weird mm-hmm. and at worst spell corrected to things you did not intend to say. At all. Ever. At all. Maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just to tag on to that, because that's what I'm doing professionally today is taking on everything you say. If you are thinking you want to write and you're finding, like, and your only device is a mobile device or a tablet or something like that, and you, and you just don't feel like that is going to flow, get yourself a keyboard mm-hmm. or get yourself a notepad. I, right. I personally can't hand write for very long, um, but I can type like nobody's business sure. for a long, a long time. And I just feel like I, I feel like there's something about and get the right size keyboard for mm-hmm. you. So we have um, uh, just like a tablet sized device with a keyboard and I can't write on that. I can respond to emails and I can post on social on mm-hmm. that. But I need the full size keyboard yeah. to it just sort of. And you have unlocks. a hard time writing on my keyboard. I do. I can't write on your keyboard, and but I think your keyboard is probably the exact about the same size mm-hmm. as that tablet size keyboard. Um, so you and you can adapt to that, like from device to device to device. But whatever for whatever reason, for me, for the way my brain works, for what I need as far as the ease of getting that stuff down. Mm-hmm. A full-size keyboard is just works better for me. Yeah. Love it. Great tips. Thanks. So I think we're at the wrap-up now. Oh we my should gosh. be because we have to get going here. Oh, so. oh, oh look at the... Holy cow. <laughs> look at the time. So... Yeah, we probably have links we could share. I definitely want to share that blog. Yeah, the cheese curd one. Yeah. Definitely. Um, mostly so people can see your picture there in the last. It was only in one of them. The last one. But it was a I pretty know. good picture. It was a really good picture and a really good burger. Yeah. <laughs> good looking and good tasting. Right, right. As all burgers should be. Yes. And I mean, there might be some other, I don't know, if we think of any other links. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make here is the point the writer who cannot formulate a thought or speak a sentence is trying to make any links will be below our player on our blog so you can always find our podcast on the blog simplicity.coop slash blog uh, but you can also subscribe to us which we would love if, if you subscribe how's that going <laughs> subscribe to us to find motor functions are going yes <laughs> losing it um um Go to iTunes, you can rate, review, and subscribe, and we would love that. We are also available on Anchor and a number of mm-hmm. other podcast apps. So and feel if, you have, if you have ideas for what you would like to be called as fans of the show, yes, drop us a voicemail in Anchor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you click on the little embed from the blog, mm-hmm. it will take you to the Anchor site yep and you can leave us a voicemail and we would love that or just about anything just anything at all we'll take no, it no 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 i retract that <laughs> not just anything okay <laughs> thank you for 
being here today, Sue, as you always are. <laughs> I wasn't going to show but up. enduring my line of questioning. Okay. It was fun. Thank you. You did very well. Thanks. You did great. Until you listen back and then you realize... Whatever. That was mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> At best. <laughs> Thank you, listener, for hanging in there with us. This is Sue and Vince signing off for now, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.